Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to episode three of Say Why to Drugs, the podcast where we discuss a different recreational drug each episode with no hyperbole, no spin, no judgment, just information. I'm Susie Gage, a researcher interested in recreational drug use and mental health. If you're new to the podcast, episode one was about cannabis and episode two was about tobacco and they're both on Acast and iTunes and other places. And if you're a returning listener, thank you very much for coming back. In this episode, Pip and I are talking about a substance that's by far the most commonly used substance, certainly in the UK. In fact, it's barely considered a drug at all. Even in academia, we often refer to drugs and alcohol as if alcohol doesn't fit in the former category. But alcoholic drinks, from absinthe to ouzo, do have psychoactive effects, and they're very much drugs. And today, Scroobius Pip and I say why to alcohol. Okay, so let's talk about alcohol. Let's. Ethanol and water and sugar, for the most part, that's Mm -hmm. what alcohol is. Fermented hops, grains, berries, all sorts of things. And historically very much a part of UK culture. Hugely, yeah, definitely. So weak beer used to be safer to drink than water because it was boiled in the fermenting process. So you'd sort of get rid of some of the potential nasty bugs in in water. It's safer and more fun would would be kind of the perception there, I'm sure. (laughs) Although that said, um, drunkenness has been a crime since the Elizabethan times. So sort of the harms of drunkenness have been been known for a long time. There's been an awareness of it. Mm. So what's the appeal of alcohol? Right. Again, it's it's weird because growing up in Essex, I didn't. There didn't even need to be a specific explained appeal. It was just that's what you do on a night out. You get drunk as quickly as possible, and it wasn't. I'm not a big drinker now. I drink probably a once or twice a month, and it was a big realization. In fact, there was a point where I was going out with um, someone who was 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 teetotal and was fine with me drinking, but was a recovering alcoholic, but was was okay with that. And it was interesting that on any night out where a drinker was an option, I'd think about it for the first time. And that hadn't been the thing for so many years. It was just, well, no, we're on a night out, so we'll be drinking. Whereas this, it was like, do I fancy a drink? And I found personally that 90% of the time I didn't. And that's what made me kind of cut down hugely. But as said, growing up, 
that was just that huge social pressure. The aim for us was to be drunk before we got to a club yeah. or got to a pub. It wasn't even a to go out and drink. It was like, right, we're not, again, growing up in, in a working-class atmosphere. It was like, right, we need to get drunk at home first or on the train or on the bus, and then we can enjoy our night cheap and be and be drunk because we've already achieved our goal of drunkenness. Yeah, I think that's it. It's 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 really ingrained, certainly, in British culture. Mm-hmm. And sort of at all levels of society as well. It's yeah. in a different way, perhaps, but it's something that really is, it's unusual not to do it to the point where if you go out with your friends and you're not drinking, people will ask you why. Like, imagine if you went out to a club and like, well, why aren't you taking MDMA? Like, why yeah. aren't you taking yeah. mushrooms tonight? Yeah. Well, you don't have to. It, <laughs> but it, alcohol is very much, there's such a sort of peer pressure or just an assumption that if you're out in the pub, you'll be drinking. It really is, and it's a fascinating one. To the extent I had a mate who was trying to cut down on his drinking um, a while back, and I advised him on nights out to say that he's teetotal, Mm -hmm. to say that, because generally if you're a recovering alcoholic, then people will leave it at that. If you say, I'm trying to cut down on my drink, 10 minutes I like to be like, come on, just have another one. It's like, even though someone has said I'm actively trying to cut down, he'll be like, don't be a dick, just have a a shot, have a quick shot. It's like, that's a bizarre thing. A thing, right? Because again, if you're doing it for your health or mm-hmm. for mental reason or, 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 or personal reasons, there's nothing else that you'd have people argue against exactly. so much, you know? Well, yeah, and if you're and a twist woman, your arm. if you're a woman, you get, oh, are you pregnant? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what a massive I'm just not having a drink. I'm just yeah. not having a drink. Damn. And then even if even if you are pregnant, you still get, oh, well, you can have one. You can mm. have one, can't you? sort of well I could have one but do I want to have one and it's very it's so ingrained in when you're out of an evening you will be drinking it's it's it's, it's truly intriguing and 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 not to to stay on this first point for too long but it truly is intriguing because again I guess you asked initially what the appeal is the appeal of alcohol is being drunk yeah. and and the good bit of drunk there's bad bits of drunk but there is no denying there's a points where it's a very enjoyable mm-hmm. even if it's a tipsy it's a nice feeling but it's always confused me when driving somewhere and I say I'm, I'm not drinking because I'm driving and people again will say oh you can have one but, yeah. it's like, but why would I want yeah. one because as we established in 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 other episodes that first time you have alcohol it's not that enjoyable an experience so although it grows on you and you enjoy it most there's a lot of soft drinks that you'll probably just on a flat basis enjoy more than having that one so for me if I'm driving it's always been well no, I don't want any because the point of drinking is to get drunk. I'm driving, so I don't want to be drunk. So why would I want one to... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, mm. it's a bizarre one. But it is, again, it's exactly that. It'll be confusion at the fact that you don't want to consume alcohol or that alcohol isn't a default. And that's the way our sort of pubs and bars are set up as well. It's as expensive to go out and drink soft drinks as it is to go out and drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, in, in my opinion, isn't ideal. Yeah, yeah. Certainly doesn't encourage uh, moderation. No, no, completely. And again, it'll be cheaper at points, unless you're on tap water or whatever, but but it'll be cheaper at points because of clubs and pubs based around drinks promotions. Mm -hmm. I've I've never seen a pub that has a big drinks promotion on of four pints of Coke for a fiver or whatever it is. The drinks promotions will only ever be on alcohol to go, quick, drink as much as you can. Occasionally around Christmas, you get a designated driver... um, Right, thing yeah, where you can get promo. a free soft drink, but it's a free soft drink. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's certainly not the way that alcohol is promoted. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think there's another type of appeal of alcohol as well, and that's a kind of drinking to cope. Right. Yeah. So people who 
find alcohol a way to unwind mm-hmm. after a hard day and that kind of thing. That's yep. Certainly, but perhaps that's a later appeal after you've become sort of habituated to using alcohol in that way. And for me, for some reason, it's a more it's a more worrying one because it starts to feel that it's not a treat, it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the, the drinking to get drunk, I understand that, but I also feel you're going to get to a certain age where you go, right, I can't handle this anymore, or it's too much, or whatever else. Whereas the drinking to relax of an evening and whatever else, even if it's one or two, I don't know, f- for me personally, I see that as more worrying. And I'm a tough person to discuss alcohol because I don't have an addict. I seem to not have an addictive personality in any way. So when I decided to stop, it wasn't a problem yeah. and so on and so forth. I also don't get hangovers, which annoys all my mates that I don't drink much because they're like, when we do our drunk podcasts every now and then on Distraction Piece, we do them every other month. On the last one, I drank... I think three quarters or at least two thirds of a bottle of gin, which was a lot in a in, in an evening. But everyone was like, "How were you the next day?" And I was I was fine because I don't get hangovers. Which I said, it's it's an odd situation for me because I choose to not drink. But if I wanted, I could probably be a great alcoholic. I, think I could be a really good alcoholic because of that not hangovers. But hangovers aren't the only physical effect, obviously. Mm. Okay, so that's a good bring us into the effects of alcohol. That was smooth, right? Thanks. (laughs) So um, there's an intoxication effect of alcohol. I think um, that's pretty obvious if you've ever taken it or if you've ever seen someone who has. And there are very few people who haven't seen someone else drunk. Yeah, of course. So uh, it has an effect after about 10 minutes, up to an hour to get into the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. And then it can stay, you can stay intoxicated for quite a while, particularly as the way that we tend to drink in society is over the period of a whole evening generally you'll still be at peak intoxication sort of about an hour or so after your last drink yeah so this and that's another a fascinating thing of 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 the culture is there's no there's never a cut off i've i when i was drinking more i'd regularly get to a point where i'm drunk as i want to be and switch over to soft drinks or switch over to something else. And that's an anomaly. That's mm. the bizarrest thing. But again, that should be a more acceptable yeah. thing, right? If there's anything that you're taking or consuming, if you feel you're at a good level, then that's probably where you should responsibly go, right, that's enough. I don't want to be throwing up in an alleyway. Yeah. I'm... Although this is where the effects of alcohol come into play. Because right. so at a low dose, you feel relaxed, your inhibitions are lowered, it reduces feelings that you might have of social anxiety yeah but the lowering of the inhibition or the potential increase of taking risky behaviors means yeah. that it's much harder to judge when you've had enough after you've had a bit in many ways it, f- it feeds itself and it, it's exactly. why people go out f- i'm only going out for one or two but up. that's you made that decision when you were sober yeah now you're not and as sober a drink or two drinks suddenly no more drinks seems silly. And yeah. So you carry on. And then started. you get yeah. loss of motor control. You start slurring your words. Mm-hmm. And again, the lowering of the inhibitions can mean mm-hmm. that potentially more problematic behaviours. There's some evidence that it might increase your aggression. This isn't right. particularly good evidence at the moment, but there is more evidence that perhaps you misinterpret cues from other people. So this might be why you get fights outside pubs because you see someone with a neutral face, but in your state of not being able to interpret that, neutral is not smiling and therefore 
aggressive. Right, that's He's looking at me funny, she's yeah. looking at me funny. So perhaps that could be one reason why it seems like there's this association with aggression because people are just misinterpreting yeah. other people. Is is there any actual evidence that Stella Artois specifically <laughs> makes you more violent? Because, again, it's weird that there's um, specific um, things that they're that are so associated with, oh, I, 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 like I've, I've got mates who will say, I can't drink... St- Stella tonight because I get aggressive on Stella. Y- yeah. y- yet they'll drink another beer that's exactly the same. That's surely just a, s- a social imprint on a thing. So you, you because in your head you're going to get more aggressive on it. Yeah. it it's self perpetuating. I always thought that was due to a streetcar named Desire. Just right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, think yeah. it is. Right. But uh, no, as far as I know, there's no um, particular reason to vilify Stella. Um, <laughs> it's probably more to do with cost um and that sort of thing rather yeah. than content yeah 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 and when you're drunk you're more likely to engage in risky behaviors yeah. this is why people might decide to drive home after they've had too much to drink yeah. because their ability to make those kind of decisions has been diminished it's why yeah. alcohol use is associated with sexually transmitted diseases and unwanted pregnancies because you take more risky behaviors when you're drunk um, in terms of effects on the brain, it's really difficult to quantify because alcohol is a really, it's called a sort of dirty drug, a global drug, because it affects quite a lot of different neurotransmitters, almost all of them, right. across the whole of the brain, which means that why it can look like a stimulant and a depressant at the same time, right. because it has differing effects at different quantities and on different areas of the brain. That's fascinating. Which means it it's, can be sometimes quite hard to predict what yeah. effect it's going to have. Because it seems to be jumping about every area and yep. turning light switches on. Yeah. And, yeah, you don't know what's going to affect what. Mm. That's fascinating. So in terms of sort of harms then, there's harms to the individual, there's harms to society as well from alcohol. And because alcohol is used by so many people and potentially used in quite an extreme way, as you said, people drink to get drunk. Mm-hmm. And when people are drunk they are at higher risk of doing silly things, yeah. vandalism, potentially um, fights and yeah. and risky behaviours, like sexual behaviours and that kind of thing as yeah, well. of course. So all of these things sort of add up. The police of an evening generally are spent their time dealing with drunk people. With drunk people, of yeah. course, yeah. It's, it's, it's a fascinating one how... How acceptable all of it is, and 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 how how British as well, because obviously we probably haven't got time to go into this in huge detail. But as soon as you go into Europe, you tend to see alcohol consumption being a completely different thing, a far more measured and far more reasoned and controlled thing. Whereas it seems so British that it's drink as much as quickly as possible, regardless of any changes in in licensing laws and times and things like that. It just still seems to be. It's to get drunk rather than to enjoy a drink. It's embarrassing as well. Like if you if you go to mainland Europe with a group of British Damn, people, yeah. people look at you like, oh god, here they yeah, come. Like, yeah, yeah, and and, and <laughs> rightfully so. It's 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 a prejudice that you kind of feel. Well, I'm not like that, but it's like, but I get why you feel that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you can't argue with it. Yeah, I mean, you certainly see it in in Bristol where I live on on a weekend. If you mm. go out on a Friday or Saturday night in the centre of town, you will probably get shouted at by groups of people who were drunk, who were just having a good time. I, and- I, I recently walked into a pub. I had a quick drink on a Friday night and it wasn't until we were, I was literally walking in the door that I, that I realised it's the first time I've been out in that sense on a Friday or Saturday night in years. And it's because of exactly that. It's, it's because of exactly that situation. And, and, gr- and growing up, again, where I live in Essex, there's a lot of trouble in the pubs on Fridays and, and Saturday nights. All the pubs around my way, if I was in there on those nights, 
there's a good chance either I would get in some trouble or I would see some trouble. Therefore, it didn't appeal. And it wasn't until I was out, I was like, all oh, right, yeah, there's loads of people acting. like th- These are the nights it's acceptable to act mm. act outrageous. I always think it's particularly dangerous in Bristol because that kind of area is right by the water. Yeah, so yeah, of course. Not and a great location. Again, they've put, particularly on the water in Bristol, along the canals, like, there's so many of the bars and, and, and the clubs mm. right on the waterfront yeah. that seems like a bizarre choice. Mm. <laughs> Stick them all at the bottom. Oh, no, again, it's at the bottom of the hill. So you're coming down the hill into the water. This is yeah. just deadly. This is Bristol's just a badly designed yeah, city, they put that together poorly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's move on to the long-term effects of alcohol. Alcohol addiction is certainly a problem and tolerance to alcohol builds up over time, which can be really dangerous as well. So it means that when you you become dependent on alcohol you drink you need to drink much more to get a similar kind of effect and then if you try and quit and take a break when you then come back to it if you then start drinking at the same level that you'd previously been drinking your tolerance will have decreased and you run real danger of of really overdosing on alcohol which can be incredibly dangerous yeah i mean this it's 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 the variation of it that makes it a really tough one because people will lie to themselves and people will say well I'm kind of all right to drive after two or three. I'm I'm big. I'm yeah. tall. And and I've had the, again. I've been had that suggested to me before. It's oh you, oh, you can you can probably have a few and drive home because I'm tall. It's mm. like no, I I, I, like I can't. That. But again, it is that weird thing because someone at some point will have built up their resistance and been tested or breathalysed or something and not popped. Do you know what I mean when they're over what they would have thought they should have been? Mm. And it yeah, it just builds all these myths because as you said, it's so it's so variable. The the risk there and the yeah, yeah the susceptibility but as well as that kind of that problem and there are physical withdrawal symptoms as well you run the risk of seizures and and this kind of thing as well heavy alcohol use over a long period of time is associated with a lot of physical health problems mm, i mean we sure. probably know liver cirrhosis is a big problem because alcohol breaks down into acetaldehyde um which is really quite toxic and it ke- it breaks down and these these sort of it carries on breaking down and then eventually leaves the body but your liver is under a lot of having to do all this breaking down of yeah. the chemicals so it's it's really dangerous to the liver it's also been shown to to cause a number of cancers this liver cancer breast right. cancer bowel cancer mouth cancer and throat cancer and again it's like smoking it's this cancers where where the substance goes well and breast cancer as well which seems to be associated with alcohol and tobacco now it's not necessarily the same degree of harm as smoking is for lung cancer so these cancers aren't as common so it might raise the risk of cancer a little bit we might raise the risk of cancer quite a bit but the underlying risk isn't very high or in the case of breast cancer where the underlying risk is a bit higher it might raise the risk a bit more but it is it is a a potential problem as well. Yeah. It's causally associated with these cancers, even if the overall risk isn't that high. It still is adding to your risk. It's an interesting one, and and alcohol seems to be the only one that gets um, myths or propaganda on both sides in the media. That you'll often get. Turns out, new research says that a glass of red wine every night reduces your risk of this, and oh, then we'll next time it'll be this. Yeah, busting, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get onto all of them, but yeah. <laughs> It's a fascinating one that it's weird that it's, it's one of the few that seems to get the positive myths as well as the negative or... Well, I think that also has a lot to do with the way that it's used in our culture. Yeah. It would be it would be really nice to believe that there was some benefit from a, a little bit of alcohol because it's something that we almost all of us do. Yeah. 
Uh, it's like, again, it's weird. It's the two that seem to have it are alcohol and chocolate. They'll find a way to say chocolate, dark mm-hmm. chocolate, it's good for you in this world. It's like, that's just, we're just choosing things that we enjoy and going, yeah. here's why yeah. you don't have to feel guilty about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Silliness. Mental health, alcohol is associated with depression and anxiety, potential memory problems, increase in stress. And again, this comes with all the usual caveats of it's really hard to do this research because, well, for a start, it's very difficult to find people who don't drink to use as control groups yeah. for these kind of studies. And we'll come on to that in myth busting in a second as well. But as I mentioned before as well, long-term potential, or not necessarily long-term effects, but risk of STDs and unwanted pregnancies mm-hmm. is also associated it's, with It's alcohol. an interesting one because it seems to be the one that has the highest mental and physical or impact on mental and physical. Mm. It seems a lot of the other drugs will either be heavily weighted in the mental area yep. and not much of a physical effect or vice versa. Mm. And this, But it seems to be one that's like, no, kind of as you said, how it's almost a dirty bomb in the brain that it activates so many areas. Yep. It seems like that on all on the whole body. It mm. runs around everywhere going, <laughs> like, what can I, I mess up, essentially? <laughs> or, or, or what can I affect? I'm yep. not trying to... Try, it, Again, it's weird because it sounds like of all of the episodes, this is the one that we're hating on the drug the most. So in some context, I need to add that I have like a a bi-monthly drunk podcast where we drink. So it's not that it's that, it's just the fact is these podcasts where what we do is we talk about the actual facts there. So if it feels like we're particularly hating on one substance, that's because of the actual facts. It's a tough one, you know? Yeah, I mean, my sort of philosophy on all of these things is do what you want but don't kid yourself about the risks know what the risks are and know what it is there and as long as you feel like you're informed then that's all that's all that you can be really you shouldn't like hyperbole doesn't help anyone no but equally pretending that alcohol is fine when it's not doesn't help anyone either no no speaking of which myth busting yes so number one red wine is good for you right yep hear that all the time yeah so there's a particular chemical in red wine called resveratrol or resveratrol and there've been some cell-based studies that have suggested that this might potentially be beneficial in yeah. in terms of cancer but as we've already said alcohol causes six types of cancer yeah so even if it turns out that this resveratrol could be a cancer treatment, that doesn't mean that red wine is. Because yeah. for a start, you'd have to drink red wine in, in buckets to get the quantity that has been shown in these cell studies. Right, of and course. It's not like that's it's not the recommended only you drink thing. it in buckets. <laughs> yeah. but yeah, go. It's not the only thing in alcohol. So any net benefit from this substance will be reversed due to all the other things in alcohol that might be causing harm. You see, that's interesting because again, we're seeing a theme over all of these things that if you find a one thing that they can isolate and say is a positive thing, it's ignoring all the other things in there that are are cancelling that out completely purely for an excuse to post an article that people can repost saying I'll drink to that and so on and so forth as as will happen with any of these studies that say they've found a small bit in red wine that isn't killing you (laughs) yeah I mean it would be lovely if it was true but certainly the evidence at the moment really doesn't suggest that Potentially we might find out in the future that resveratrol is good, but even so, I think it's very unlikely that a glass of red wine a night will be will be yeah. encouraged. And then the second myth, and this is more hotly debated, I think, is that those who drink a small amount are healthier than people who don't drink at all. And this is something that you hear quite a lot about. 
certainly in terms of heart disease and stroke risk. Because when we do these kind of epidemiological studies, so we observe people, how much they choose to drink, and then look at their risk for various health outcomes, we get this weird-shaped curve. It's called a J-shaped curve. So it suggests that people who have no alcohol consumption have a higher risk of these things than people who have a very small amount of alcohol consumption. And then the risk really, really increases with heavier use. Mm -hmm. And most people, certainly a lot of researchers, think that this is a weird statistical anomaly because it's not... There's no sort of theoretical biological reason why this might be the case, but there are plenty of reasons why there might be what we call confounding. So differences between people who don't drink and people who drink a little bit. Mm -hmm. So people who don't drink may have quit drinking because they were ill or alcoholic or various reasons they might have yeah, been formative. Yeah, potential, not damage already done, but something wrong there that's that's forced them yeah. to not drink. And you try and exclude those people, obviously, mm-hmm. because they will definitely lead Skew to that the, kind of yeah, a weird of picture. Course. And that does reduce it a little bit, but still it looks like there's this protective effect. There are other differences between people who've chosen to never drink um, might have done so because of family history, for example. Yeah. Or potentially there are... Um, class differences as well, that people who drink a small amount are likely to be the most affluent people. Mm-hmm. They're likely, to, the people who drink, don't not drink at all, but don't drink really, really to excess, yeah. are likely to be the people who've had, had it the easiest throughout their lives, yeah. basically. Yeah. And you can see why this might then make them look healthier than people who don't drink at all. Perhaps these people who don't drink at all can't afford to drink mm-hmm. and therefore um, have had a difficult life throughout their life already. Yeah. So it's really, really difficult to take this into account. And because there aren't that many people who don't drink at all, it's really hard to get a clear picture here. To, yeah, to get a good a good gauge on that. It's, mm. it's an odd one because, as you said, there's so many influencing factors. The family history was an interesting one because you've said before that so much of these things can be genetic yeah. or in the genomes or whatever else. So therefore, this person could already be susceptible to illness that's that's related to these things. And that's why, therefore, yeah, it kind of it cancels itself yeah. out. And in fact, when people have tried to look at these data in using different methodologies, and one of these methodologies is to use genotypes, so genetic risk as a proxy Instead of actually measuring alcohol use, you look at someone's genome and predict whether they're likely to have been an alcohol user or not. So it's like another way to kind of interrogate the data. And these findings have not shown this J-shaped curve. They've suggested alcohol at any level is likely Just, to increase yeah, risk it's an of harm. Incre- yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, these, these aren't perfect studies either. There are plenty of limitations to them. But the idea is you try and answer the same question in, in a variety of different methodologies. And if they all point in the same direction, then you've sure. got a much stronger evidence there because they've all got limitations, but they've all got different limitations. Yeah. So this is something that's still being researched and maybe it will be the case that a tiny amount of alcohol will reduce your risk of stroke. But this, you don't see these J-shaped curves in associations with cancer, for example. Yeah. So it's very, very difficult to unpick this. And this is something that came out when the alcohol guidelines changed a few months ago. Yeah. It's trying to take this J-shaped curve and there was a big mathematical model built by some researchers at Sheffield University and they actually included this potential protective effect in their modelling but they still found that for the vast majority of people alcohol at any level is harmful. I think they actually found that a tiny amount of alcohol in women over 60 might be beneficial. Yeah. But 
when you find these really weird subgroup patterns, like it looks like it's protective, but in a very small group of people, and particularly when these people are older, you start to really question sort of whether that means it's a true effect or, or an artifact. Yeah, I was going to say, there's, there's so much that could have affected that. Mm. Again, the older you are, the longer you've lived, therefore the more things that could be contributing to this, yeah. this factor. Yeah, and maybe just people have already died again yeah so, yeah all right yeah of course, so they're yeah. missing from those data yeah so it's a difficult one to say whether it's a myth or not but certainly there is some debate in academic circles but i think the majority of researchers now think that it's not really safe at any and level. it's kind of safe to say that the illnesses that might have this j curve that could be right it could be wrong but there's loads of other illnesses, like I said, cancer and things like that. that mm. It's definitely and liver disease, de- yeah, yeah, and liver disease. That it's definitely there's no. It's definitely making it worse. So that small chance of reducing strokes, which is probably wrong, but you know, the, if it's well, there, it's this. Yeah. It's this yeah. potential thing that that's you might be getting a small chance of reducing a, a stroke by increasing your chance of, of numerous kinds things. of cancers yeah. and kidney uh, problems. And it's a big problem because when you want to help people make informed decisions, to say, well, actually, we don't know, yeah. feels like a cop-out, but it's the honest answer yeah. and yeah. that's all that you can do. You have yeah. to think, just have to weigh up those those yeah. choices. Yeah. yeah, We don't know on that one. Here's the bits mm. we do know, but yeah. 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 Okay, so now I've got, this isn't a myth. There is one really, really big, important benefit of alcohol. Right. And probably every time you've been in a hospital, you'll have made use of it. Right, yep. Hand sanitizer. Yes. So you don't drink it, though? No. No. <laughs> but again, I guess for sterilisation and everything else, alcohol's yeah. for, for throughout history been a kind mm-hmm. of key part of that. Personally, I also find this a little bit worrying, that like, alcohol's so strong that it kills germs, and yet we drink it. yeah. For a beneficial fact that we can find on alcohol is that it kills it kills mm. everyone <laughs> kills all germs. Like, yeah, that's, mm. that's good. Although there's another potential benefit which I sort of mentioned in the introduction. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether this is a kind of urban legend or whether it actually happened. But um, there's a guy called uh, John Snow, not mm-hmm. that John Snow, yep. or that or John that Snow. John Snow, not either um, of those John Snows. <laughs> and he is quite often credited with kind of inventing the field of epidemiology so population research right and he did this by there was a cholera outbreak in soho Mm -hmm. and he mapped where all of the cases of cholera were on a map of soho and realized that it was all triangulating around this water pump in the middle of soho on broad street right uh famously he went and took the handle off the pump people stopped drinking the water from it and he realized that the cholera was down to dirty water right and this was before it was really understood that that's how that disease could be transmitted through bacteria or anything yeah. like that it was before all of that but he realized it's the water that was the problem mm-hmm. one thing that was a bit odd and again this, this may be an urban myth but i quite like it as a nice illustration was that there was one factory in the middle of soho right by the water pump where no one was getting ill so can you guess what it made is it alcohol? It was. The, it, it yeah. was how did you get this on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's right. It was. It was the brewery, and because they weren't going to drink the water from the pump, they were drinking the beer while they were yeah. working, so they weren't getting sick. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, but again, it, it's a solution to a problem that we've solved in society anyway <laughs> exactly. through the cleaning yeah. of water yeah. and so on and so forth. And that's it for Booze this week. Thanks again for listening and please get in touch if you have any comments. I'm on Twitter at Sousaphone, S-O-O-Z-A-P-H-O-N-E, rather than the instrument. 
And once again, if you're worried that you drink too much alcohol and you want to cut down or to quit, I've included some links on ACAST to places where you can get some help with that. Before I wrap up, I just wanted to mention a really great website I discovered last week called Drugs and Me. It's specifically about harm reduction. So if you're thinking about taking a drug for the first time or you want more information about how to take drugs in the safest possible way, bearing in mind there's always some risk, then it's an extremely useful website and it's really great. So um, I'd really recommend it. It's uh, drugsand.me. So that's the end of episode three. Do come back in two weeks' time when Pip and I will be talking about MDMA. You've been listening to Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr Susie Gage. The music was by Jim Murray and the artwork was by at My Name is Ad. Thanks to Charlie Williams for editing. Say Why to Drugs would not have been possible without the generous support of I'm a Scientist, Get Me Out of Here, the Medical Research Council and Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 